But Nick Prado, that groin area, looks like a transition right into Nick Prado's groin. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this episode's uh, already spicy. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, the treasurer of the Midwest Mouth Breathers Association, my brother, Mike. <sighs> treasurer means they trust me with the money, though. I'm big. I'm big on that. Yeah, that sounds nice. Trust me. When I, now, my fall in my, you know, when I when I fall in shame for embezzling from the Midwest Mouth Breathers Association, that will be a little bit scandalous and and uh, shameful, but that's OK. You've been kicked out of better groups. You've been kicked out of way better. That's groups. right. I okay. have. Come on. That's right. I have. You've been kicked out of sleazier groups. You've been kicked out of, you know, these guys, (laughs) they got nothing on you. And yes, they are all men. And so, uh, you know, that's just how kind of how that works. Uh, A lot of these guys like to hang out in completely normal places, like behind bowling alleys and, you know, outside of people's windows, stuff like that. Just normal, Mm -hmm. normal people. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining (laughs) us on this week's episode. We'll look back on a very fun week of Royals baseball. It was a fun week. Was this their first winning week? I think well, it was their first winning week. I I, it may be the first. It may be their first winning one. I think we've had a couple where we were broke yeah. even, like three. Yeah, and three. I think so too. But uh, um, so yeah, I think it's their first winning week of baseball. Real fun week of baseball. We'll discuss the trade trade deadline with David Lesky. A big trade went down today, the Nikki Lopez trade, which we'll be talking about with David Lesky, who's joining us for that our spotlight segment. And then uh, trade deadline about forty five hours away from right now. Actually, in forty five hours, the trade deadline will end. Uh, and so we're looking forward to that. And then we're going to preview this week's games like we always do, because what the hell we got the time, you know, uh, I do want to remind everybody, follow us on social media. I've been tr- keeping track of what Mike's doing on threads just to make sure he's not, you know, letting it all hang out both literally and figuratively uh, over there on threads. It's wild. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, it's great. I can do whatever I want on there. Nobody says anything to me on threads. Right. Nobody. Now I get a lot of likes. I get a lot of retweet. Well, not retweets. Rethreads. Yeah. I don't know what they're called. Um, but I, it's like speaking to a wall. So I just put it out Interact there. Interact with Mike on threads, people. He's lonely. <laughs> he's so low. He's drinking. He's so lonely. Look at him. Oh, look at I'm this. I'm so lonely. <laughs> uh, so yes, follow us on threads, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're doing them all. Uh, YouTube. Definitely subscribe on YouTube because you'll get a whole bunch of stuff that we put out there. Uh, so, yeah, just make sure you're doing that. Maybe make sure you're giving us ratings on Spotify. Make sure you're giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading those on here. So, yeah, do all that stuff. That'd be very nice. And thank you so much if you do that. Uh, I want to tell you something about a little thing we call Nap Family Wealth. Royals Weekly is brought to you by Nap Family Wealth. Mike, can you think of anything more important than securing your financial future? Dropping bars like a Brinks truck? No. Dropping wisdom like Friar Tuck? I see what you did there, but no. (laughs) (laughs) Securing your financial future is one of the most important steps someone can take for themselves and their family, and Nat Family Wealth is ready to help you pursue it. This isn't some big faceless corporation we're talking about here. Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. Nat Family Wealth is run by J.C. Knapp. He's a huge baseball fan, and he's been helping people plan for their financial futures for 20 years. He can help with retirement planning so you don't have to work until you're dead. Education planning so your kids learn to read good. Investment management, so you can get all that money from out of your mattress and get it working for you. Don't spend another day thinking you've got it all figured out because trust me, you don't. Check out Nap Family Wealth at napfamilywealth.com. That's K N A P P familywealth.com. 
Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA slash SIPC. We'll start this week's review with roster news like we always do. And we're going to skip the Nikki Lopez thing to save it for our spotlight segment and our discussion with uh, with David Lesky because we want his input. Other than that, not a lot took place roster wise this week. Nick, Nick, or Nicky Lopez. I, I got Nicky Lopez on the brain. Uh, Nick Prado, rather, went on the 10 day injured list with a left groin strain. Mike, what are your thoughts on Nick Prado going down? He's or not going down, but going down in terms of with an injury uh, with a, with a groin strain. He's been struggling a little bit lately. What are your thoughts on losing him to the IL? You know, I, I'm not super. I mean, obviously, I don't want any guy to get hurt. And, and I hope Nicky's or Nick Prado comes back. Very so you soon, did it I too. have Nikki Lopez. Well, you know why? He's so when I told my wife, oh. she was just, yeah, she was crushed. Yeah. She, she doesn't watch any baseball. She was crushed when I told, told her that Nikki Lopez got traded because he's so damn good looking. But Nick Prado, that groin area, <laughs> let's, let's transition right into Nick Prado's groin. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this episode's already uh, spicy. I love it. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I'm not that worried about it. I don't think it's going to be that long of a thing. Um, and it does give us a short opportunity to kind of see what the Royals are going to do flexibility-wise at first base. Salvador Perez played first base, I think it was yesterday. Um, Nikki Lopez played first base today. That's weird. Uh, you know, let's see what they can do. Get creative at first base. See what they can get. Maybe Freddie Fermin plays more catcher and Salvador Perez plays more first base. I'm completely okay with that, and I'd like to see it. So heal up, Nick Prado. We want you back, but, uh, you know, I'm okay if we can see some other guys in there for a little bit. Yeah, I love the idea of more Fermin at catcher and more Perez at first base. I think that's a, a real winning idea for the Royals. They have to get Fermin in the lineup as much as possible. The guy's got an OPS over 800. He's hitting over 300 as a batting average, I think, or he was coming into today at least. And so he's a guy who's been, what, your Hit second today? Your second or third or maybe first most productive hitter when he's in the lineup? Get him in the lineup more. And so I know he can't catch every day. No catcher can catch every day, but on the days he's not catching, have him DH. You know, it's not, it's not rocket science. He's a 28 year old catcher. You know, he's not 35. It's not like we need to rest him a ton for some reason. Get him in your lineup because he's one of the most productive hitters you have. And that's really, really important. I want to see more of him from Prado. I'm, I'm actually just starting to lose a little faith in Prado. Not because of the injury. The injury means nothing. It's 10 days. It's a growing strain. I hope he comes back healthy. I hope he feels good, but there's just something about his profile that is worrying me that makes me think that he's not going to have a chance to, he's not maybe not going to stick in major league baseball. The high rate of strikeouts mixed with the very low rate of power is the thing that really concerns me. You could handle something like a 30% strikeout rate, even though his is like 35 and above, you could handle like a 30% strikeout rate from a dude hitting with enough power. His ISO is really low right now, right? His ISO is really low. His max exit velocity is really low. 30th percentile for max exit velocity. Max exit velocity is a good measure of how hard a guy can hit a ball. He, so far this year, has not hit a ball harder than Michael Garcia has hit his hardest ball. And think about that. Michael Garcia is not a guy we point to and say, ooh, this dude's brimming with power. And so, you know, I really worry that Prado lacks the power necessary to profile at first base and is really going to struggle to find the needle he's got a thread to be an effective big leader hope i'm wrong hope he figures it out in terms of the strikeout rate and he figures it out in terms of you know generating more power but i'm really not sure at this point hopefully he heals up and gets back to the royals sometime soon i think it was a corresponding move 
not 100% sure. I think it was a corresponding move, though, that brought Samad Taylor back to the Royals. He was recalled last week, gets his second chance at the Major League uh, ranks. Mike, what are your thoughts on getting uh, Samad Taylor back up with the Royals? Uh, really cool. And I think now that Nicky Lopez is gone, there's a much higher likelihood that he sticks around uh, to play kind of that utility role. I think he deserves, you know, we said this earlier, I think he deserves another shot to show what he, th- what he can do. I, you know, you and I kind of have a difference of opinion on Samad Taylor. I worry a little bit about his exit velocity, about his ability to hit the ball hard, but I think he plays a competent second base. I think he plays a competent outfield. And if he doesn't hit up for a ton of power, I still think he can be valuable if he can maybe get that walk rate up to where we've seen it this year in the minors. Maybe we haven't seen it as much in the past from him, but this year when he was in AAA, his walk rate was really good. If we can see that at the major league level, then I feel like that can be a Samad Taylor that sticks in, in the big leagues as a utility guy. And that's what I want. I think he brings juice. I think... Uh, The guys like him, and I would love to see him stick uh, as our utility guy. Let me just tell you how wrong you are, okay? (laughs) His, uh, (laughs) no, uh, Samad Taylor certainly has enough exit velocity. That's not his issue. He doesn't hit for power, not because he doesn't hit the ball hard, but because he's not got the launch angle to really be a guy who's trying to lift and separate, trying to really carry balls out of the ballpark. That's not his game. He'll still hit the ball hard enough to, to do it, to get it to the wall and stuff like that. Consistently would, hard enough. Yes. Consi- That's the thing. He will. Consistently hard enough. He will. Yeah, I don't know about that. He will. He will hit it consistently hard enough when the time comes. He's only gotten like 25 plate appearances or something like that at the major league level. But I will point out that at the major league level, his walk rate is 14%. Okay. That's incredible. Okay. His strikeout rate at the major league level is like 26%. It's a little higher than you want it to be. But like I said, we're talking small sample sizes with him because he hasn't gotten enough playing time. I hope he gets more playing time this time around. Uh, His batting average on balls in play for his first stint was 217. That's not very high, but you, you would expect regression, positive regression there. You would expect that to be up around 300. And so I'm hopeful for him that he is going to stick eventually. Still only like 23, 24 years old. Plenty of time for him to find some success, but he needs to be actually getting playing time between now and the end of the season. It can't be like, okay, Samad, hang out on the bench, pinch run for us at the end of games. We'll have you playing twice a week. That's not it. You need to give him a legitimate chance to stick in this lineup because he's a dude who might be able to do it. And you have some spots where, hey, you know, you're you're a high rotation team anyway. Just get a lot of rotation in there at second base, at left field. Probably wouldn't kill you if he played in right field at some point. I know he doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, but you know, that you could probably make that work at some point. And so, yeah, I'd like to see him get a lot more playing time than he did the first time around. Another roster tidbit that I don't even know how to explain, honestly. Me either. Brad, <laughs> Brad Keller finished his pre his rehab previous rehab stint that he was on. He was down in the minor leagues for 30 days. You're only allowed to be down for 30 days on a rehab stint. So the Royals announced that he had was, what was the word there? His rehab stint was over, but they didn't say he was activated at the major leagues, right? Right. Yeah. They didn't bring him up. And so. No, no they did not. <laughs> I looked at the transaction list before this, before he started recording. And it said he has now been reassigned to a rehab assignment. And so I don't know exactly what's going on with Brad Keller at the moment. He wasn't pitching all that well in AAA. Mike, what are your thoughts on this whole Brad Keller? Is he, he's not with the Royals. He's still on the team, but it's not really clear what exactly is going on. I have absolutely no idea what 
his circumstances. He is in purgatory of some sort. But let's say what it is, people. Can we all can we all just say all what it is? Yipsy Kaye, mother freaker. All right. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. All right. Uh, you know? Other buckets? Uh yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Yipsy Kaye, mother buckets. All right. Uh no, the the guy can't throw a strike anymore. He can't throw the ball down the middle of the plate anymore. Um I go back and look at the stuff on his rehab assignment. It's the stuff nightmares are made of. It's it's not, it's not professional baseball. Even, not it's not major league baseball. It's not professional baseball. And so, I, I mean, I want good things for Brad Keller, but I don't think it's happening here. Yeah. So uh, he needs a change of scenery and a psychiatrist is what he needs. So I want to say two things. Like, I want good things for Brad Keller too. I want him to be successful. I want him to have a great career. But I'm also really good. He got this. I'm glad he got the seven million he got this year because he might need it. Right? Me like, too. Yeah. And it's like, good for you, man. He's gotten, he's gotten some money. He can go into coaching if it doesn't work out. Cause right now it looks like Rick Ankeel plus Asa Lacey plus somebody else that Chuck Knobloch. I mean, it looks that way. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really glad that financially he should at least be somewhat secure and then he can go into coaching if he needs to, or he can go do something else. Um, I could make 7 million last. Well, let's be honest. It's not actually 7 million, but whatever it is, I can make it last for the rest of my life, but, uh, we'll see. Uh, so we'll see on him. No clue what's going on with Brad Keller. There's a decent chance that post trade deadline, he's just DFA because his contract is up after this year. So we'll see. Uh, anyway, talking about actual baseball from last week, because we want to talk about it. Fun, fun week. The Royals went four and two last week. Yay. Which brings their overall record to 32 and 75. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Royals are coming off a promising week. Mike wrote this copy, actually. The Royals are coming off a promising week mm-hmm. where they were able to get their first three-game sweep against the Twins. Was it luck? Was it grit? Was it divine intervention? Originally, he misspelled divine. We will never know. <laughs> Mike, did I, I put it, it was D-E, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, doesn't have Mike, what do you see from the good guys this week? What did you see out of their play? You know, uh, that Twin series was what I hoped – Royals baseball could be watching Bobby Witt Jr. in that series, watching Bobby Witt Jr. for the the whole month of July has been a treat. It's been fantastic. It's like, like even today he went one for four today, had a single, made some really good plays in the field. Um, but in that one hit that he had, he works the count to three, two and drives a ball to right field, a ball that would have been strike three had he not swung at it. Like he, He's just, he looks so different in his plate appearances and he's doing it now more consistently. And that is exciting. You know, it's exciting to watch that kind of stuff. Ryan Yarbrough giving just a a workman performance today. It's fun to watch him pitch. It's fun to watch him make lineups that are solid, look lost, look off balance. Look, Workman is not the way to describe that outing. Dominant is the way to describe that outing. Like, I mean, yeah, but. He's he not strike he out 17 guys. Or well, anything. no, I mean, I think he had, I think he had five or six strikeouts in seven innings. I mean, it's not strikeouts as dominant as, as Ryan Yarbrough, as Ryan be. Yarbrough can be. He yes. was today. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was, it's fun to watch that stuff. It's fun to watch Michael Garcia out there. Dyron Blanco, you know, did, did some stuff today. It, that can be what Royals baseball can be. I'm not saying they're going to sweep everybody, but the twins may be leading the division, but they're a mediocre team. We should be competing against mediocre teams. It's that mm-hmm. simple. 
Yeah, I, I loved it. It was just it was great to see some relatively mistake free baseball during this twin series. I can think of one base running mistake from Bobby Witt Jr. He got picked off first. Other than that, you didn't see a bunch of defensive mistakes. You didn't see a bunch of base running mistakes. You know, you saw some good defensive plays. Michael Gar- or not Michael Garcia, MJ Melendez guns a guy at home. Mm-hmm. I think it was Dyron Blanca who, who gunned him at third. I was watching the Twins broadcast yep, today, and they kept it saying was. that it was Melendez out there, but he wasn't out there at that point. Um, and so Blanco guns a guy at third. And like you see, you're seeing guys, Bobby Wood Jr. made like three plays today that were out of the world insane. I mean, he was he was amazing in that twin series, but it was good to see just solid mistake free baseball where they're just out there doing good things, staying alive in counts, you know, get putting the ball in play. It, you know, they didn't always come through with every hit today. They had a couple of bases loaded scenarios that they didn't come through on. And rather than like folding in the next half inning with a, with an error and a pitcher who walked three guys and a home run, they just stayed consistent with it. It was great to see. It was really, really fun. Completely agree with you. You are completely right. And I was actually, oh yeah, the one thing I was going to say you're bringing up later, Kyle Isbell. How about Kyle Isbell in that series? Kind of the unsung hero in the first two games of that twin series. Yeah, we'll talk Great about that Great to see him in a second. hit a little bit. So so our, our, our strong performers of the week aren't going to be huge surprises. Mike, tell us about uh, Bobby Baseball and why he it was the two-foot putt of all strong performance choices. Yeah, I got to fill it out first, so I took him. I, I have Sir Robert Baseball. You throw some respect on that name, you <laughs> piece of garbage. All right. Uh, 11 for 25, two doubles. One triple, two home runs, nine RBI, a walk, and five strikeouts. I'd like to see that come back a little bit. But five strikeouts in a week isn't terrible for Bobby Witt Jr., you know? Um, it was just It's just so good to see that approach. And then defensively today, looked like a wizard. The, the thing I was thinking about, though, and I want you to – I'm not saying you have to answer this because it might be too much pressure. Bobby Witt Jr. has significantly improved defensively. Would you say he's better than Michael Garcia? At shortstop? Yeah. Yes. I don't know that he is yet even because I see Michael Garcia playing third and doing it flawlessly. And I'm like, I'm still not sure Bobby Witt Jr. is as consistent at short uh, as Michael Garcia would be. And maybe it's stupid to even think about it. Um, But it's been just an absolute pleasure to watch him defensively as well. Um, If he keeps this up. It really gives some uh, something to dream on for the Royals, and, and I will be happy with the second half if he continues to do this. Yeah, I, I, he's the type of guy who, wow, what a week from him. Uh, I, I mentioned it earlier. If he keeps on this track, he's a perennial all-star. I think there's one more level above this for him, and it does involve drawing more walks and, and things like that, being a, a little less swing-happy even even still. it's a, It's just a one more tiny level at the plate. That, w- that, that that exists for him, but this is plenty good enough, right? This is a huge win for the Royals drafting player development and all that uh, gives them a ton of value in, in a player who is going to be one of the most valuable players in major league baseball. If he does this over an entire season. So we'll see on that really, 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 really hope that that happens. I'm talking about a guy for my strong performer who I would love to see become a, good enough to be a regular for the Royals. And he took a step in the right direction this week. And that's Kyle Isbell. He went eight for 20, had a four hit day during that twin season or during that twin series, hit one double, one home run, zero walks, which I don't love, but only one strikeout. He's another guy who the next level for him offensively is about drawing more walks. He has gotten that strikeout rate under control and he's putting more balls in play, which is great for him because basically your balls in play are, if you're, you know, not completely weak are going to get net you a 300 
bat bip is going to net you a, you know, 260, 270 average, right? And so, you know, you have a chance if, as long as you're putting the ball in play. He needs to get on base more than that. He needs to walk a little bit more. But I think he'll start doing that as he calms down at the plate and gets a little less anxious. And of course, his defense and center is always stellar. So we don't have to worry about that. Mike, not everyone was stellar, despite the Royals having their first winning week. Tell us who your weak performer for the week was, because I know you wanted to get to this, because I know you think, oh, he's your guy. I'm going to dog on him. Go for it. He is your guy. First, let's start with your boy. And I love the story. Jose Quas, love the story. I actually thought this the other day. I'm really happy that he plays for the Royals because if he didn't, he wouldn't be in major league baseball. And I want him to get as much money as he can before somebody ships him out. Jose Quas does not look like a major league baseball pitcher to me. Uh, 2.1 innings pitch this week, four earned runs, two walks, two strikeouts. And and if I, if I went back, if I said, okay, let's do a little last month, it would be even worse. He has not been good. Plain and simple. You know, he's the kind of guy who has to be able to get out right-handed hitters. I'm not sure he's getting really anybody out right now. So Jose Quas, the FedEx man, I'm ready to move on from him. I hope I want, like I said, I want good things for him. He's a great story, but um, he ain't, ain't cutting it. So Mark, you've got another pitcher that isn't quite cutting it, even though we really hope for good things. Who you got? Yeah. Uh, let me just, Jose Quas. Yes, I, I really <laughs> liked him. I thought he could be a, a piece. And I do think that there's still a chance that he might be for someone. I don't know that it's going to be for the Royals. I don't know that they need to stick around and keep trying that experiment. He does need to stay on the team just because they need him to finish out the season. They need arms in that bullpen. They should be moving other guys like Barlow and Hernandez and all that. And so he needs to stay on the Royals and, and just pitch for them for this season. But that doesn't mean he has to be here for next season. And he has options. He can come up and down. So maybe you want him as a depth bullpen piece. But you're right. He's just not cutting it right now uh, at the major league level unless he changes something. And he has very much proven that he is open to, to coaching. So we don't ever have to worry about that. Um, so the guy I'm talking about is my week performer. Yes, he struggled this week. He's our boy, friend of the podcast, Alec Marsh. Had his first real bad outing, I would say. In the last one, he went two and two thirds innings pitched, gave up five hits, four earned runs, four strikeouts, three walks, one home run, which has been a real problem for him. The home runs, he just looked like he was never going to get the ball where it really needed to go in this outing. And you always were, this was a, you know, you always worried about the long ball with him. And, and the thing about him is, and I was, I had a back and forth with David Lusky about this. I can live with the home runs. I can live with them, even though the number is high. One, it will come down because you can't give them up at this prodigious of a rate all the time. But I can live with it. I can't live with the walks. They can't both happen, okay? Because you walk guys, you give up home runs, that's a lot of runs, right? Guys are hitting solo shots, you can live with that. But the walks are just killer. They are killing me. And so I really hope more for him. He's got to keep starting in my mind, but this was not a great week for him last week. Mike, let's get to the theme of the week, and then we'll move in and get and let Lesky in the room because he desperately wants in. Mike, tell us what your theme of the week was. Competence, competency tastes like a fine wine. And that's what I felt like in that twin series. Like, we haven't seen enough competent baseball all around. And when you do for the Royals, it looks really good because there is talent on the team. When they don't make mistakes, when they don't get in their way, their own way, and they don't walk guys and things like that, then it looks like competent baseball. And it, to me, that feels so good. Like it feels 
like I'm watching a real Major League Baseball team, not like I'm watching the team that not like the is Royals. the doormat. Yeah, is the doormat for everybody. You know, uh, it's it's like the difference between hey, I'm a fan of I don't know the Giants. Let's say an organization that may not always be great, but you always feel like is doing okay. Versus, I'm a fan of the A's. Now they're they're a simple bay a- away from each other, but the they're just light years away from each other organization wise. And so, yeah, it, it's been nice to see some competent baseball this week. Um, it's what I really crave for the rest of the season. Same here. So I got one line, one phrase that is my theme of the week. Twins don't want this smoke. Royals Week G is brought to you by All In Physical Therapy. For one-on-one personalized physical therapy, we choose All In Physical Therapy. They took excellent care of our mother after her surgery, left her with pain and limited mobility in her arm. She loves to work out, be active. She's not just physically jacked. She's also mentally jacked. Her mind is like if a mountain had sex with Andre the Giant. The excellent specialized care she got at All In Physical Therapy had her back to being active in no time. Now all I can see is Andre the Giant naked in my mind. (laughs) Okay. Which is usually the case. Uh, all in physical <laughs> therapy knows how to help athletes recover. It's owned and operated by Lee Summit's own Tommy Freevert, a former Arena League Bear or a former Arena League football player, Northwest Missouri State Bearcat, and a hell of a guy. They have offices in both Blue Springs and Lee Summit, so get over there to work with Tommy. Tell your doctor you want to do your physical therapy with the best of the best at All In Physical Therapy. To learn more, give them a call at 816-427-4300. That's 816-427-5300. Or visit their website at allin-pt.com. That's A-L-L-I-N-P-T.com. Okay. Lesky's not going to be able to join us because his power is out. And so oh, man. literally he was in here in this waiting, waiting room, waiting to come on. And then his power went out. So that's the luck that we have typically. And it is embodied by many of what the trades, the Royals look like they're doing. Uh, so let's just jump into talking about this. This week's spotlight segment is going to be about the trade deadline. So we were hoping to have Lesky come in and join us uh, for that, but still check out David Lesky's work at inside the crown. It's a wonderful sub stack comes in daily newsletter thing from David Lesky or at DB Lesky on Twitter or X or whatever the hell they're calling it right now. And on uh, threads, he's on threads too. And on DB threads, Lesky where it's all. Swear to God, he, is. he is. I'm sure he is. Lesky's all over it. Uh, so yeah, you want to, you want to follow him. You want to read him daily. Everybody about who know, who's in the know about the Royals does. Uh, we're talking trade deadline. It ends at 5 PM on August 1st, which is about, like I said, about 45 hours away. We want to talk about the most recent news first. The Royals traded Nicky Lopez today for Taylor Hearn, a 28-year-old left-handed pitcher who the Atlanta Braves just acquired for cash from the Rangers who DFA'd him, if that makes sense. So we got him from the Braves, but they just got him from the Rangers who had DFA'd him, which means designated for assignment. Hearn is a big lefty who has struggled to put it together in the majors. He's got a 5.26 career ERA, mostly as a starter, though the Rangers were using him as a reliever this year. Mike, what are your thoughts on this Lopez O'Hearn trade? Not O'Hearn, just Hearn. But Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to mess that up at least once. This guy could be the Ryan O'Hearn of pitching. We don't know. Lopez O'Hearn um, trade. Yeah, we hope he's the Ryan O'Hearn of pitching because O'Hearn has had a little success going to a new team. Maybe he'll have some success coming to the Royals. I This one baffles me. Um, the Royals could have literally had this guy two weeks ago for just money, right? not giving away any player capital. Instead, they waited, gave away player capital for him. Now, that's a little scary to me. 
Hearn, I, I hope they see something in him. I like the fact that he has started. I guess that's good because even if he ends up in the bullpen, it probably means he can pitch multiple innings, which is nice. But this is a real head scratcher for me to go for a 28 year old pitcher who has not been very good for Nicky Lopez. And don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't feel like Nicky Lopez's value is all that high. He's a glove guy. He doesn't hit all that much. He does have multiple years of control, which is nice, but I just don't know that Nicky Lopez gives you all that much, but I know this for a fact. If the Royals go down into the minors a little bit, and I think Alex Duvall brought this up on Twitter, maybe uh, if they go down into the minors and say, Hey, Braves, we don't need somebody who's right next to in the majors or major league ready. Go down and get a guy in double a or even single a and say, he's got at least more potential and they go get him. I would like that better. Give me a guy that is more of a lottery ticket, even than a guy that we kind of know isn't really a major league guy. Now, maybe the Royals saw something and maybe they feel like, Hey, we can make this guy a starter Maybe it's it's Cole Reagans over again. I don't think he's near where Reagans is, but you know, if they see something in him like they did in Reagans and they feel like they can turn it around, okay. But other other than that, I gotta go real uh real head scratcher on this one. Yeah, I've a lot of people are pretty angry about this one. And the thing that I think is getting them and getting me is that he only has two years of control after this left. And so you know, it's a slim chance that he's actually going to be anything worth major, you know, major league caliber anyway. Like that's a slim chance because he's kind of proven that he's not a major league starter, major league reliever. wasn't, hasn't been great doing that either. And so unless they can unlock something and that, that is the only potential saving grace of this trade, right? If the Royals pitching development can alter something about Taylor Hearn and turn him into a legit major league pitcher, be it in the bullpen or as a starter, then yes, the Royals have something. Now, what's interesting is this definitely fits what JJ Piccola was saying the other day that they're looking for major league ready talent or near major league ready talent. I do not believe in that. I I think that is a bad approach for them. You are one of the historically one of the five worst teams in Major League Baseball history, and you think you're going to turn it around in one offseason and one trade deadline? That's crazy to me. That's just really crazy. I mean, nobody in the industry thinks teams don't do that. Teams don't do that anymore. You're not getting it's just not done. It's it's just it's and yes, teams are far more hesitant to trade major league ready caliber caliber players. They, they don't do it. Like it's, if you're in, it's hard to get a triple a guy who looks like he's actually going to succeed in the majors. Really, really hard. You, you'd have to give up way more than Nicky Lopez. I'll tell you that right now. And so Hearn as a player, maybe he would be interesting if it was like, well, the pitching development might, might turn him around maybe, but the likelihood of that is slim. And if they ever do, he's not going to be here that much longer, right? So it's like they need to turn him around like instantly so that we can turn around and trade Taylor Hearn next year. That's basically where we're at. So it's a very odd thing. Now, Nicky Lopez, you're right. Not that valuable of a a guy anyway. And so they were never going to get like anything that significant for him. But you're right. I would much rather have this, this, I want near major league ready talent mindset, not correct in my mind. But we'll see. Let's get to the next question because I'm going to expand on that. Okay, Mike, what are your thoughts on where the Royals stand right now? We are 45 hours from the trade deadline. They have traded Aroldis Chapman and Nikki Lopez for who they get for uh, uh, Cole Reagan, Cole, Cole Reagan, and Ronnie Cabrera, and then yep. 
Uh, Taylor Hearn. Taylor. What are your thoughts on where they stand right now? They've made one trade and some comments from JJ make it seem like they're, uh, may not be as active as some hoped. So I'm most worried about the overall strategy and the motives behind that strategy. If JJ is coming out and, and it has looked that way, Reagans was close to major league ready. In fact, he was in the major league bullpen. Um, Oh, or not O'Hearn. You about got me there. <laughs> no, I didn't get you there. Is, I didn't want to do anything. <laughs> Hearn is, has been in Major League Baseball this year and in past years. If that's the, if that's the strategy, we've gone very wrong because of this. Like you just said, yes, we're one of the five worst teams in Major League Baseball history. We need to be thinking about value, okay? What is the most value I can get from in a minor league player, Okay. If that guy's in double A or single A, I don't care. If you are the most valuable guy I can get, that's I, I don't care where you come from. If, if I'm putting you in single A, that's fine. Okay? Because this team's not going to be good next year. Probably not going to be good the year after that. So we need to get guys with as much control and as with as high a value as we can. Traits even. If you go say, hey, you know what? We got a guy right there who can hit the shit out of the ball. Light tower power. Just got to fix this one thing. He's in single A right now. I can buy that. That I can buy. Here's something that's even worse. If the motives behind that strategy are, we need guys that are major league ready now because we're about to ask for a shitload of money for a new stadium and we need to be at least competitive next year. I have a real problem with that because you are sacrificing the long-term health of your organization in order to try and get a new stadium. And I have a big time problem with that because, okay, wow, we go you know, 78 and whatever next year, we win 78 games next year, get into a new stadium and bam, we're right back where we were when we started. I do not, you cannot make trades, draft, sign internationally, do any of those free agent signings. You can't do that thinking, well, we've got to do this so that the the voters in Jackson County will support a new stadium. You cannot be doing that stuff. If that is the motives behind the, we're only trading for guys who are close to major league ready, then nah, there you go. You can't see this if you're listening, but that's a big middle finger for those of us on the podcast. I cannot stand that way of thinking. Get yourself value at whatever level you can. That is the most small minded and naive and just blind thing too. Like if that's the idea. Okay. So let me, let me start from the beginning here, right? The notion of turning what the Royals are now into a competitive team in 2024 is a friggin' fairy tale, right? Like, I love it. Like, I love that fairy tale. I hope that it happens. But I'm not an idiot. Right? Like, <laughs> I'm not. We, we all want the Royals to be good next year. We'd love it. I just, just I also want to win Powerball. It's just yeah, not going to happen. It's just not going to happen, right? And so, fine. I Can they win more games next year than they did this year? Sure. I think that's probably going to happen because, I mean, just statistically speaking, unless they're the worst team ever next year, they're probably going to win more games. But competitive, that's tough. So what teams would actually do, the only teams that say like, we're playing to be competitive next year are teams that are right on the cusp of it this year, right? It's your 80 win teams. It's your 78 win teams. It's your 82 win teams. They make moves to get better for just next year. Not teams like the Royals, not fucking 55 win teams, not 60 win we, teams. We will be that, lucky if we get to 55 <laughs> wins. That, they don't do that because what's the difference between winning 55 games and 65 games? It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's nuts. That is a fairy tale to be thinking in those terms. But 
even if they're like you're you want to think in those terms, right? I agree with you 100%. The notion of trying to do this so that voters might be more supportive of this new stadium is bonkers. Do you think voters, do you think the fan base, what little is paying attention at all right now anyway, even knows who the hell Taylor Hearn is? They don't know who Taylor, they don't know who Cole Reagans is. Like, they don't know who any of these guys are and they don't care. They're wildly cynical at this point. Why? Because they've earned that cynicism with years and years and years of losing, right? Like you have made, do you know what turns around a a cynical fan base? Only one thing. Mike, do you know what that is? I'm going to guess winning, Bob. Sustained (laughs) winning. That's the only thing that turns around a cynical fan base, right? This Taylor Hearn isn't that. (laughs) Taylor Hearn isn't that, right? I just... You got to build, you got to take the time and take the pains. None of this happens quickly. Okay. And so take the value, like you mentioned, do what's most valuable and forget this notion of we're looking for guys this close to the major leagues. Ridiculous. And the thing that really hurts me here is, and and maybe I'm alone on this because I haven't heard a whole lot of people talking about it, but, but you see it in the prospect rankings and things like that. I think this minor league system is devoid of talent. Okay. I think they are lacking in talent on the, both the pitching and the hitting side. So anybody with talent you can put into that system helps. I don't care what level they're at. Go out there. I just saw a trade and I can't remember who the hell it was now, but they got some guy. No, I think it was before that one. Uh, They got some guy who had just been internationally signed and was still in rookie ball, I think, or something or was internationally signed last year and still in rookie ball, uh, you know, Arizona league stuff, but they were like, you know what? He was considered the the best international signing that they had that year. Give me that. I will take that over, over a guy who's got a six ERA in his fourth year in major league baseball. You know, that, that that's insane to me with that in mind. And with, so along with this notion of like, we're, we're going to try and compete in 2024. JJ sort of hinting, that that might mean that they're not trading as many guys as some people would think. Guys who already have m- multiple years of control, including in 2024. Like, who do you think should be moved at this deadline? Well, I mean, I, I'm with a lot of other people. Barlow's got to go, right? Gotta you go. have to get rid of him now. Um, I think Olivares is somebody that you really should be moving. You know, mm-hmm. there's value in his bat. Contenders are going to want him in the playoffs. Um, Duffy, got to go. Decent piece, I don't think go. you get... You don't get much for him, but he's on a one-year no. deal, right? And so get rid of him. Get something. Get get a relief prospect in the low minors. Yeah. I'd take it. That's what Will Klein was at one point. He's mm-hmm. pretty much been a relief prospect most of his career. Um, Yarbrough, I would love to see go. If I'm if There's teams out there. I'm jumping on Ryan Yarbrough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not just from today's thing. I mean, I, he's looked really good at different times this year. I, I like Ryan Yarbrough. And then I get rid of Hernandez, too. Carlos Hernandez... I think might be their most valuable relief asset. I'm getting rid of him too, because I think you put it out there on Twitter, a small dip in his velocity and he is no longer an effective reliever. Um, that's just how it is. Like he, his fastball is velocity dependent. His whole repertoire is velocity dependent. And so I would, his, his, you might have peak value right now in Carlos Hernandez, get out of it. Bullpens are volatile. You can bring up Will Klein and he's the exact same pitcher. Um, yeah, that's what I would do. 
Yeah, and here's my thing on her. I, my list is exactly the same as yours. And here's my thing on Hernandez, right? He's the one that people are talking about like, well, no, maybe we shouldn't because he went out and was a fireballer again today and has pitched really well lately. And so everybody's like, no, and you know, I'm a Hernandez even, fan. I like, yeah, I, I like love him. Hernandez. He's your I'm boy. Big. You know, I like, liked him as a starter. Uh, that's how, that's how thing. crazy your I Your thing was, your thing was good teams should get something out of Carlos Hernandez. And let's give the Royals a round of applause. They have gotten something out of Carlos Hernandez. He is a really, really, really good reliever, right? Like his, his overall numbers don't even tell the real story of it. His FIP is like 2.6 or something like that. He is really good. Okay. He is probably 90% of his ceiling right now. Okay. Now here's the thing though. Don't wait till he gets to a hundred. Why? Because the odds that he ever gets there are way worse than the odds that he drops back down to 70% of his ceiling. Okay, so trade him now at 90% of his ceiling with three, four years of control left, however many he's got left. Might even be more than that, might be five. Trade him now, get a big haul for him, package him with Olivares, get even more, something like that. Now is the time to start thinking about trading guys at peak value. Carlos Hernandez is so close to peak value, it's a lot more likely that he drops down than he goes up next year. So trade him. We've talked about what they should trade. Those are the guys I want to see moved. I seriously doubt all of them will be moved, but I hope that at least some of them are. Mike, what should the Royals be looking for in return from this prosper from this group of, of players they need to move? Well, I I just said it. Um, I think just talent. Anywhere overall talent uh, works for me. I don't need I don't need anything. You know, I, let me put it this way: I have been. I would prefer starting pitching because pitching to me is what wins baseball games. Um, but I'll take anything, literally anything. If it's a bat, if it's lower minors, upper minors, I don't care. Talent, get it in the system, develop it if it needs to be developed, and get it to Major League Baseball. Um, I don't really care. But no, if you're saying what specifically, I want starting pitching. I want as many arms as we can put into the system with some ability, and then let the attrition take over, and then you'll have something when it's when it's done. Um I think we've seen a ton of that attrition and, and you have to know, you have to have a glut, a plethora of arms in minor league baseball just to get two or three guys into major league baseball. And so that's really what I want. Um, but no, I definitely take bats too. I really don't care. Talent, get it in there. I'll be a little more specific with my answer. Cause I know that's what the audience wants. Thanks for doing nothing, Mike. Uh, <laughs> I agree. Starting pitching is important. And there was a time when that, when I would have said, I only want starting pitching, just go out and dra- and trade for starting pitching. There's a time when I would have said that now having looked more closely at how the offense is done over the course of the season, I'm like, I don't, and how bare the minor leagues is in the upper part of the minors and a lot throughout the minors really of bats. I'll take a bat. I'll take an outfield bat, especially if they can find one of those. Uh, so I'm looking for some outfield bats and some starting pitching. Mostly that's where I'm at for the most part, especially if they're going to do their whole, we're looking for near majorly ready guys. If that's the case, they better be outfield bats. Cause that's really where you're struggling offensively is, uh, you know, the left side of your infield looks pretty decent. Your second baseman has started to turn some stuff around. Uh, you have some odd Taylor as well, who you're going to give a shot to first base. Vinny Pascantini will be back next year. We need outfielders who can hit, you know, and even if that guy is a shitty outfielder, maybe he'll DH. I don't really care, but like I need a, I need a, a masher, uh, another hitter in this lineup at some point. 
Mike, I want you to just really quickly evaluate where the, what the Royals have done so far in the trade deadline. How do you feel about where the, what they have done up to this point with the two trades that they've made? Well, I, you know, I initially with the Chapman trade, I wasn't all that happy. But after I dug into Cole Riggins and after I've seen him pitch quite a bit since then, I think actually they did a pretty good job on that trade. I got to give him some credit for that. Chapman is an elite reliever again, but he's old. And he had just this year, he was on a one-year deal, so he's a rental. I think just Cole Reagan's on that, plus a guy to dream on. And I can't remember his name now. You just said it, but I've been Ronnie drinking. Cabrera. So, there we go, Cabrera. Uh, you know, even if Cole Reagan's ends up being your four or five starter for a few years, that's value and you've won that trade. Really happy with the Aroldis Chapman trade. I am. Again, the Lopez trade is just baffling to me. But who knows? Maybe that ends up being good, too. I thought the Reagan straight initially. I was like, I don't know about this because I didn't know about him all that well. But he looks like a dude to me. Reagan's looks like a dude. And I'm going to that's the thing. I need him back up at Major League Baseball so I can see him pitching all the time. I watched his uh, AAA start from the last time. It was beautiful. Guy was doing great things. And so uh, overall, so far, the only thing I can really complain about other than, you know, that I just don't understand the Lopez thing is that they haven't been active enough. Yeah, That's it. That's the only thing that scares me. Because one thing to always remember, the longer they wait, the teams that need relievers, those go down the longer they wait. Because they go out and they get them from other places. And so, you know, your your pool of people that need things is shrinking quickly. And so I would really like to see them especially move. Like, wh- why don't they package them together either? And, and maybe teams don't need. Maybe... The teams that want Barlow don't need an Olivares or a Duffy or a Lopez or a Hernandez or whatever. Um, I would love to see a couple of those guys get packaged together and go get yourself one really good bat or one really good uh, starting option, even if they're in the lower minors. Yeah, I was actually happy with that Reagan's trade from the start because I I liked what Reagan's could be. I like that he has a lot of control. I like that he can start, you know. Chapman is just a rental and was going to do nothing for the Royals. And I was glad that they moved him early. And so, yeah, I was happy with that, uh, with that Reagan trade. I think it's turned out pretty good so far, especially, uh, still scared by the two Tommy Johns, but still scared by that, which is a scary thing, but you know, take risks to have big, uh, potential reward. You know, uh, this one just makes no sense to me, the Lopez one, but I can't get too riled because it's not Lopez was never going to return much. <laughs> so I can't get too not by wild himself. Ab- no. Yeah. I'm not a half thrilled with the, uh, with the strategy behind all this seemingly, but we'll see. Uh, but like you, I'm, I want activity. I want, I want them moving all these guys, but it doesn't look like they're going to move all these guys at this point. I mean, they would have to announce a friggin' whirlwind, like, like nobody's ever seen in the next 45 hours. If they're actually going to move all the guys, they should. But we'll see on that. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think, and I'll just jump right into our next question. I'm going to make a prediction. I think Barlow is the only other guy we see get moved by this time uh, on by 5 p.m. on Tuesday. Mike, who do you think might get, just give me a prediction of those guys who's actually getting moved before Tuesday. Man, that's tough. Um, eh, I'm going to say Barlow, and I'm going to say one of that other group. Of Hernandez, Yarbrough, Olivares, Duffy, Barlow, and one of the other ones. That's if that's it is my. One, if it is one of the other ones, it's Duffy, and you know it is because he's the one who is only on a one-year deal, and so all those other guys have more control and could be traded in subsequent years. And so here's my I question to you: mm-hmm. What do you do 
if none of them get traded? Well, I host a podcast. You you calling for JJ's job? Are you calling for JJ's job? I'm I'm comfortable doing that because I would have rather they cleaned house altogether. And we mentioned this in the off season whenever they fired Dayton Moore, I I would have rather a house cleaning, you know, I was willing to give JJ a shot, but, and he's done everything I've wanted him to do up until this trade deadline. He has basically done everything I've wanted him to do. And so that's good. I can't, I can't dock the guy for that. Yes. The season hasn't turned out well, but I wanted him to hire. I liked Sweeney. I liked Quattrero. You know, I, I wanted him to do all that stuff. But, and you, maybe he gets some credit for turning around the minor league pitching development as well, because they've done Did really you love well the draft? As well. I did not love the draft. Mm-hmm. And then I also would not at all love uh, them sitting on a lot of these guys. So, well, I call for his job. Does it matter? Nobody listens to me anyway. But, <laughs> you know, I'll come on here and bitch and moan really loudly. I'll do that. You can expect <laughs> that next week if these guys don't get moved. It's a home off day for the Royals to start the week, followed by a three-game home series against the New York Mets before they hit the road for three games against the Phillies. Mike, tell us what this 2015 World Series rematch will look like. Ooh, I didn't even think about it that way. Well, the Did, the, did the you Mets... think of it as uh, what will happen when the Royals face the team that uh, flushed $400 million down the toilet? That's what I was going to say. The Mets, the most uh, underachieving uh, team in baseball... Uh, overpaid, maybe overpaid team in baseball is a better way. They are shipping guys out left and right. So they're trying to get rid of, uh, the guy from Mizzou, Max Scherzer. They are trying to get gone. rid of him now. He's gone. Is he, is it for sure now? I think it's for sure. Okay. Cause I had heard also like talking about getting rid of Verlander. I heard that, but I heard, uh, Scherzer was like, was he going to waive his no trade? Some no, people he said waved he was it. waved it. The okay. They were, they were finally talking about was, uh, Oh, his what the money would look like, and he decided he would take the option for the Rangers. So he's going to pitch for the Rangers next year too. Okay, um, so I wasn't sure on that. So what we're going to have in Game One, which I will be at Game One, it'll be uh, Granky versus Jose Quintana. Quintana, we're very familiar with the 34 year old lefty uh, from Colombia, pitched for the White Sox for a while. 3.27 ERA, 1.34 WHIP, and only two games started and 11 innings pitched because he has been hurt all year. Uh, sinker, curveball, four-seam fastball now in the low 90s. He was a really good pitcher there for a long stretch. Change-up, uh, it's been a real mixed bag since he left Chicago uh, many, many moons ago now. Uh, he was really good in Chicago, though, for a while. In fact, I wanted the Royals to get him. I think he's had I think he had one really good year. Last year, he, he rebounded a little bit last was year. Was it? Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so I, I actually really liked Jose Quintana uh, when he was with the White Sox, one of my faves. Um, that game two, we'll get to see hopefully Alec Marsh rebound a little bit against Kode Senga, a 30 year old right-handed pitcher out of Japan, 3.17 ERA and a 1.24 whip. He's got a mid nineties fastball, a cutter. What the hell is that? <laughs> I knew that'd get you That's <laughs> a, a sweeper ball. and a, a fork ball. He throws a fork ball. You don't see those anymore. Um, fork ball is virtually unhittable. Probably because no guys ever see it. Uh, guys have a .088 expected batting average against the forkball. How about that? F- Mark, for our listeners who don't know what a forkball does, and correct me if I'm wrong, is it somewhat like a knuckleball, if I'm not mistaken? It's a splitter that they push in deeper, right? Yeah, splitter. It's, uh, the splitter is what I would compare it to most. They call it a forkball, but it, basically straight downward action. Uh, and okay. so... Yeah, I, I thought for like some reason it had a little bit of a knuckleball kind of thing, but it'll look a lot that, like a splitter to the audience. 
Gotcha. Uh, in the, the the last start of that Mets series, it'll be Singer versus We Do Not Know. The Mets do not have an expected starter right now. I don't know if that's Scherzer's spot or what it is, but we don't have an expected starter for the Mets in that third game. But it'll be uh, Singer. Let's hope he can keep up some of the things he's been doing recently. Uh, yeah. After they uh, take on the Mets here at home, they're heading to the East Coast-ish to go to Philadelphia. Uh, the Phillies are 56 and 49, which makes them third in the NL East. It's a whole week against that, the NL East. That is week. the East coast, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I guess. Yeah. I guess they abut to the ocean, Marcus. Do they? <laughs> okay. My geography is not I great. Mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, Phillies are interesting. They're a lineup full. They're a lineup meant for offense and not defense at all. Uh, they're a lineup full of solid hitters. They got Brandon Marsh, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber, all having good years. Obviously they have Bryce Harper as well, who just came back. Uh, is playing first base now and probably will never play the outfield again because his arm is all jacked up, but he just came back and is now hitting again. Hopefully he uh, feels good at least. Uh, You want to see the best for people, especially the stars of the game. Uh, The rotation is led by Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, but they're also getting solid years from Taiwan Walker and Christopher Sanchez. A very solid rotation and a really good lineup. Defense for the Phillies, that's not really a thing. And so... (laughs) Uh, we'll see well, how they that got Kyle out. Schwarber on their team. God damn it. They made it all the way to the world series with this model. Apparently defense isn't that important. Don't tell Royals fans. Um, <laughs> but we'll see how that turns out. We'll end this week's episode. Like we end every episode with our just about outside segment, where we talk about something that's interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Let's get this segment in before I lose power to the thunderstorm. Mike, what has been interesting to you outside the world of baseball last week? Well, let's say this. There's a big cultural moment going on right now with uh, the Barbie movie and Oppenheimer, right? I'm very interested to see Oppenheimer. The Barbie movie, I might see it at some point, but it just doesn't connect with me. I mean, I'm not, I just have never been a Barbie guy. I'm not sexist. My kid has a Barbie, uh, my son has a Barbie car. Kind of stole it. I don't want to say we stole it, but we kind of stole it. Um, But no, it's just, I was, I didn't play with Barbies. Did you play with Barbie? We we couldn't afford Barbies. Let's be honest. I I didn't play. I played with cardboard boxes. Yeah. We played with like (laughs) chunks of wood that our grandma or our grandpa cut up. Um, But I'm very interested in seeing Oppenheimer, huge Christopher Nolan fan. Um, But so I have a suggestion. If, If anybody out there is a history nerd like me, or if you're a science nerd, this would also apply. Go read yourself the book, The Making of the Atomic Bomb by Richard Rhodes. Okay. I've read this book now a couple times. Really, I listened to it because it's a super long book. And if you want to know the history of how basically the hit, not, not, it's not even just the history of the atomic bomb because it goes back way before that. It's the history of how we began to understand quantum mechanics. Okay. And, you know, molecular physics and stuff like that. So this book, I am not a science teacher. I'm a history teacher. Um, so some of the science in this book is a little over my head, but it will give you one of the best understandings of the progression of that field than you will ever know. And you will start to really appreciate and understand some scientists that you've never heard of. Okay. One of the most acclaimed scientists of all time I have never heard of. Okay. Um, what is his name? I'm now forgetting it. Of course. Um, he taught at the Cavendish in England, Robert. Oppenheimer? <laughs> no, it's not Oppenheimer. Damn it. I'm going to forget it now. But it talks about the career of Enrico Fermi. Um, sorry. 
Now he's looking it up for those. I'm trying to. I, I'm not going to be able to find it. He's not going to be able uh, to find it. Now I'm going to forget it. But it's all the Niels, like Niels Bohr. Uh, a lot of people don't know who he is. Huge impact on the field. Um, just all of these interesting people. Uh, Lise Meitner and uh, Otto Hahn. All these people in Germany who had huge impact on the field. It goes into all of these people. And you're just like, whoa, this is insane how this progressed. And somewhat it was like competition. Some of these people are like competing against each other and you find out like, and sometimes it's generation it's Madame Curie and her daughter. Like they both had huge impacts on this. It's insane to see how, what was going on in that time in science is just so wild. Um, and, I, and by in that time, I mean like in the 19 teens, 1920s, 1930s, 1940s. And it does go in way in depth on the Manhattan project and Oppenheimer and all of his impact and all that stuff. But just a hell of a hell of a book. Now, if you're like, Mike, you're insane. I don't want to read a gigantic book with a bunch of science garb. Then I also recommend for those people, there is a modern Marvels episode. I think you can find it on YouTube on the Manhattan project. It is one of, it is probably the best thing I've ever seen on that particular topic ever in history. So if you're a fan of the movie and you want to look a little bit deeper into it, read the making of the atomic bomb or go watch the modern Marvels on the Manhattan project. They're both very, very good. There's another book on this topic just called Bomb that I have read that is actually quite good as well. And actually also digs into the espionage that took place around leaking the secrets of the atomic Ooh. bomb uh, to yeah. other countries. And so, yeah, uh, yeah. to Russia. It's, it's, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very, uh, very good book if anybody wants to listen or read that. Uh, I'm talking about classical music this week. Uh, why? Because I've been listening to a lot of it lately. <laughs> Uh, sometimes I like to listen to classical music when I'm working, especially when I'm writing. Uh, but I've been listening to a lot of it when I'm like running and walking lately too. And I, I'm just going to highly encourage you to give it a try. I know a lot of people find it boring, uh, and that sort of thing, but I find it calming and peaceful and really idea inducing. So I have some of my best ideas when I'm just walking and listening to classical music today. I went out and did a little run walk and spent an hour listening to a, a little station on Spotify called Calming Classical. And I just can't really uh, emphasize enough how sometimes it's really good to get away from the sort of, I don't know, popular music has like a, a drive to it, you know, a thing that's like pushing you almost trying to get you to like really feel things in a particular way. And uh, sometimes the thing I want to feel is calm and Classical music for me, especially the right type of classical music, can really have that impact. And I, I love that. And today I got into the car after I was doing that and I didn't realize it, but my phone just sort of automatically connected to my car and started playing the same playlist, the classical music. And I didn't realize it, but I was just thoroughly enjoying my drive, just really peaceful, moving around. I used to listen to it a lot on my commute too, uh, as a way of just like being calm as I was thinking about going into work or coming home from work or whatever. Love it. I know Mike would never do such a thing, but I'm a big fan of classical music. Support your classical music. I don't know what that means. No, boo, nerd. <laughs> Ernest Rutherford was his name. I looked it up. You should all know <laughs> yes. who he was. Yes, Robert. He, should, he, he should be the like a top five most famous known scientist, and nobody knows who he is. So, how about All right. That's enough for Mike <laughs> for this week. We will come back next week to discuss some more Royals baseball. We'll probably touch on that trade deadline again to see after they've finalized it and made all their trades and or not. Uh, and then we'll uh, talk some more and see how pissed I am. Until then, be good to each other. And go Royals. <laughs>